Welcome to the Bearded Bride episode number seven. Uh, if this is the first time you're joining us, which it might be if you saw the name of our guest for today, um, this is a podcast with two guys talking weddings. Um, I'm Eric Smith, and I'm here in the Mu- Cleveland Music Group studios with my partner, Mr. Dustin Lopez. Dustin, how are you? I am well, Eric. I uh, am coming off a break because you were out of town. So You were out of town, were, too. Don't I blame it on me. Uh, actually, I canceled my trip. What? I know I didn't tell you that. Oh. Um, it was a last-minute cancellation, but I'm well-rested, and uh, I'm ready to go for today's topic of conversation. Did you cancel it because of house stuff? Yeah, it was all house stuff. All house stuff. That house. Ugh. It'll get done eventually, and then I'll come over for pool parties. Pool parties. Pool parties at my house. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> So you just heard her voice, um, and we are, we're are we really excited about our guest today. She is a juggernaut in the wedding industry. If there was a Mount Rushmore of wedding professionals, she would certainly be on it. She is the founder of the Catan Experience, Catan Fashions, Catan Events, Catan Prom. Uh, she's a fashion expert, designer, a wedding and event planner, and entrepreneur. And if you haven't guessed already, it is my honor to welcome Patrice Catan to the podcast. Patrice, how are you? I'm great today, and how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Dustin never does. Well, Dustin, I'll ask how you are, too, since you gave up your vacation. I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm well-rested. We heard um, that twice. But, I, yeah, well, um, I, I am, I'm really well today. I'm excited to have you here because this is my first time meeting you. And I've, uh, and I'm, I mean, that's, I've heard your name forever and, uh, you know, from so many people in the industry and I'm excited to be here with you today. Well, I thank you very much, but you might never want to see me again when we get done. <laughs> that's, there's no way that's going to be true. Before we get into the topic, a uh, couple questions. How did you get into weddings? Well, this, the long and short of the story is I, I was Pacatan's daughter that um, invented crafts in the world in 1954 and started the arts and crafts business called uh, Pacatan's. Um, we were 63 years old, and we sold the company in 2016 to Michaels. As I grew up from a little girl on up, all I did was invent things because we invented crafts, we invented designs, and I became a designer by trade at an early age and was gifted with a lot of creativity, thanks to my father. I started in the craft business, spent 25 years in the crafts, crisscrossed back and forth, Loved, always loved fashion, loved weddings, and went into the fashion industry in about 1982, designing headpieces, cake tops, bouquets, everything but the gown. Um, In 1984, I brought the first set of gowns in, and the rest is history. I have now been in the bridal industry 32 years. I um, retired from my large salon at the end of 2017. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to get fired already. 2016. And thought I was going to retire. Well, that was a big no-good blowout. And a couple months later, decided to go back to designing. And now I've created a salon 
in Broadview Heights just for the bride. All my designs, all manufactured by me, direct from the manufacturer, great designs, better quality, and great pricing. That's my story. That's great. And you actually, uh, you kind of answered my next um, question I had for you. Um, I was looking at some some of your videos today because um, we were talking about that before we started. Um, but two videos jump out at me, and it's the one from February 3rd, 2016, where you're announcing your retirement. And then it seems like the next video is September 21st, 2017, where you're announcing the grand opening of your new Salon. Yeah, that's correct. It's a little bit goofy. So the retirement wasn't, uh, it's not really your thing, huh? No, I'm really like my father. My father worked till two weeks before he died. Why I thought that I really wanted to retire. You know, it's funny in life. You always want something that you don't have. Um, I loved my job. I loved my work. But I also love my family. And with the size of the company, the salon was 54,000 square feet. I was there 14 hours a day. I was missing out on my grandchildren, and that would make me sad. And I decided with the selling of the main company, maybe it was time for me to step back. Um, We did a lot. Uh, We saw over 60,000 brides over a 30-year period. Um, we did all colored goods. So basically, at the end of the day, we we sewed for my clients over sixty thousand dresses, six thousand dresses a year. With that being said, and being the type of person that needs to be hands on, because my form of running a company is a little bit different. Money isn't an adamant object that we all need. Right, Dustin? That's right. Yeah, you need it for your house, and that's why you didn't go on vacation. But the bottom line is, if you don't run a company with respectability and integrity, then the money is worthless. So, therefore, my dedication was to the brides. They deserved their best day, and I deserved to carry out, no matter what the problem was, I had 30 seconds to fix it. What's your comment, Dustin? I was going to say that's a that's a lot to manage, uh, especially just the fact that you you have employees, which you're managing them, and you're managing the brides, and you you know there's just so much to you know it's like the, being the quarterback of the of a football team. You know, there's so many moving parts. That's correct, and I never wanted to land in the safety zone, right? Because if I did, I could get excommunicated from the whole company. So consequently. Uh, We sold prom, bridesmaids, mothers, shoes, purses, jewelry, wedding gowns, veils, a lot of custom work in floral. Um, And at that point in time, it became overwhelming. It was enough. So I moved on. But see, God sends us in different directions. And it opened up a door for me that I forgot about, that my main love is designing. That's what I went back, and I created a 6,300-square-foot bridal salon in Broadview Heights, all for the bride, and it's been very successful. Uh, We're now looking at a store in Columbus. God willing, everything works out. That will be the next location. We're hoping to open five stores. But again, I'm concentrating on the bride. I'm designing for the bride through the eyes 
of a designer, but what I've seen over the years, there's a need for. You speak uh, uh, very fondly of your father. I, I wonder if uh, your driving force behind, you know, the last you know, 30 plus years of being in this industry is, you know, derived from, you know, kind of carrying on his legacy. You're absolutely correct. My, my main concern, and I think that's why I didn't like retirement. Um, and because of the fact we did sell the main company, which at that time was, it was the, it was the right move, but it also left the door open that the legacy stopped and that made me very sad. I was very close to my father. He was my business partner. Um, there wasn't a day I didn't go by and talk to him and ask him questions and ask him what to do next. So you're right. Legacy is important, and keeping his name alive in some capacity was extremely important to me. And this is how I'm doing it. Was there any, I just want to follow up question. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any piece, because I'm, you know, obviously a young entrepreneur. I, was there any advice that he ever gave you that was like that one piece of like really solid advice? advice yes, yeah, sure, Dustin. That you'll always remember? Yes. His famous line was, take the tiger by the tail and let it go where it's going to go. That's he, uh, directly applicable to weddings, obviously. Well, you know, I was taking, think about I it, think I like, was taking two tigers, Dustin. Yeah. And I was taking them by the tail and by their feet. Right. But, again, it was his perseverance that trained me that you can do anything you want to do. And also, you you got to remember, um, that's my perseverance in the bridal business. You start from A, the bride walks in, you give them what they need, you give them the best advice, not the advice that sells the higher price gown, and success follows. It's funny you say that because there's been a few guests that have been on the show in the last several weeks that have kind of, uh, you know, communicated similar sentiments where mm-hmm. it's, you know, I remember clearly when Brandy was on, you know, it was, she, she is, you know, a wedding planner that is able to, you know, work with everybody because, you know, it's about providing the best quality service, not the best, you know, package of stuff, you know, it's uh, more Connected, and I think that that's what drives success is that connection with brides. Correct, and giving them the um, right information and directing them in the right way. Um, brides are not used to dressing in ball gowns or fit and flare gowns in white or lace or with bling. Uh, they're in an environment that is not known to them, and it is our position to educate them so that they feel comfortable um, in that environment, but also leave them with a memory that's long-lasting, and that's the important thing. Yeah, and I think we're, I think we're getting into our topic for the day, so we might as well introduce it. Um, obviously, Dustin and I, and I are way out of our element when it comes to talking about bridal salons and designing dresses, um, but the topic you chose is one that applies to pretty much all areas of weddings and, and vendors. Um, and that is creating the best experience for your client and avoiding pitfalls, which I think we started to get into there. So there, you have the, this thing called the Catan experience, and I'm assuming that's relating to client service um, and is kind of just an overall arching way that you run all of your companies. Correct. Now, you have to remember the Catan experience did 
take place in, in Strawnsville Salon mm-hmm. because we had many different facets. It's still the Catan experience, but now it's geared toward the bride. Why did I do that? I did that to be able to devote the education to the primary person that's involved in the wedding and not deviate to the mothers and the bridesmaids and the flower girls um, what they need to know. This gives them one-on-one service and helps them be able to be educated and, like I keep repeating, have a great experience and a great memory out of their day picking their special gown. Yeah, I feel like to a certain extent we become so oversaturated with information that uh, there, there was, you know, with the advent of the internet and you know Pinterest and things like this, uh, there's such an opportunity for education, but they almost overeducate themselves into like confusion as a bride because there's too much information, and it's better to have somebody one on one sit down with you and who's experienced so much and give you the right type of education. No, I agree, Dustin, and you, and you have to remember also, anybody could give advice and anybody can give education, but are they in the trenches with the education? That's the most important thing. The ones that are the best are the ones that work in the trenches. Everybody thinks they're a wedding planner or a bridal consultant. No, this is not a party. This is not plain dress-up. No, this is very serious business. You must go in, work with the client, and actually in some ways you have to be a psychologist because they're coming in very stressed with the whole event, and you have to talk them down. Right. Could you do that, Dustin? I've had, well, you know, being the photographer... Did you talk them down? A lot of times I do have to to manage situations that are uh, a little... Uh, outside of my uh, my comfort zone, but definitely uh, we've played that role as as photographers. You play that role as a DJ sometimes too, right? Um, but it's the experienced one, and as you say, the ones that are in the trenches week in and week out. Uh, those are the people that have the experience that you that a bride needs to have in order to have a successful event. That's correct, Dustin. So, see, we can give you some points that because you're affected by um, the trauma of what you might have to change. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can work with you too, Dustin. Well, I would very much appreciate that. Okay. Well, it could cost it... you two pennies. Uh, <laughs> a penny for your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think something else that... The, you hit on with the you know talking about the internet, all the information out there, the saturation of it. There's also so many more opportunities for these pitfalls, and you know finding something on the internet and just having it being completely wrong. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and that's see, where it comes in where we have to educate. Yeah, we see that all the time. Well, any girl that buys a wedding gown over the internet <laughs> is making a major mistake, basically because. The sizing could be wrong, and what you assume you like, let me give you an example. Usually a girl comes in and says, I want a ball gown. She doesn't want to look at anything but a ball gown. Okay. Well, I have 250 samples in my new salon, okay? I say, look, it's free. Put your ball gowns on, and let's go back, and let's try on every design I own so that you get a feeling of what you're comfortable in. I want to make you a bet that you will not end up with a ball gown. That's just the way it goes. 
So you have to be open-minded. What you're looking at compared to what's on your body is two different things. Let us guide you. Now, the ball gown could be it, but I guarantee you when you're done, you will be between a ball gown and a fit and flare. Never fails. They're always between two designs. One, they'll say, I never thought I would like this. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, the one part of wedding planning as a bride where I've heard people say this, you know, I never thought I would be in in this dress. And uh, whereas they know if they want a DJ or a band, they know what kind of style photographer they want. They know, you know, all these things. But when it comes to the dress, it's always, you know, one thing is in their mind and they end up somewhere else. I hear that all the time. But that's correct. And what a lot of girls don't realize also is the fact that the, the dress is the jewel of the wedding. And what I mean by that is you get your church, you get your venue, you book your music, you book your photographer, and you get your dress next. It is the jewel that is the asset to creating the whole picture of creating your wedding. It's like creating a watercolor. You start with a certain palette of colors and you build from there and you create a picture and you give it a name. And this is what you work with. This has to come from the gown. It can't come from anywhere else. So if you start backwards with bridesmaids, it's a mistake. If you don't start six to nine months out to even look at your wedding dress, it's a mistake. Because you don't want to be left on the wire that you're, you're graveling to decide what, what you really want. So timing is of essence. It is the catalyst of your wedding. It is what sets the invitations in motions, everything you do in the event. It sets the color tones, the style of the bridesmaids, the style of the mothers. It is extremely important you start with the gowns. And please, please, when you come for a wedding dress, don't bring an entourage. You will pick nothing. You're going to go down the aisle in your shorts or your bathing suit. Everybody has an opinion. Girls, remember what I'm saying. This is about you. This is not about what everybody else thinks. If that they don't like a certain thing you have on, fine. They're not wearing it. You are. You don't need to hear it. It confuses you. Completely confuses you. That was going to be my next question is how, how do you maintain that, you know, that level of client service and, you know, just making sure that the bride is happy during that, that time when there's so many people talking in their ears. Do you take them aside? No, because it's very difficult. You have to understand something. Between Pinterest and all these authorities today in the business, and let me tell you, we have tons of authorities, but, but did they ever walk the walk and talk the talk? And the problem is, if you tell a girl this, she's insulted because she wants to bring in all these people. Because so-and-so said this is a good idea to make a decision. I had a girl come in last week that left in tears. She had 13 people. I don't care what dress she put on, somebody found something wrong with it. So she came to me and she said, I think I have to come by myself. I said, I think you're right. 
feel like a lot of bridesmaids would just say something <clears throat> to say something to get their voice in. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know why I'm relating to this, but it's almost like, um, you know, the the girl that breaks up with her boyfriend and then the friend says something bad about them, and then they end up getting back with yeah. them. So how do you go on after that? Well, this is the problem too. Uh, girls are girls. Girls are, are not easy to get along with. They they fight like cats. So a girl puts on a beautiful dress, and maybe the girl that's commenting is jealous of it because it is beautiful and she looks beautiful in it. You don't get a realistic view of what... If you look in the mirror and you like it, then that's your dress. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Bring your mother, bring your grandmother, you have a sister, and end it there. They can be less detrimental to the whole process than a group of girls. Do you ever recommend just for a bride to just come in by herself? Well, you know what? That would be utopia. I would never have to see a psychologist again. <laughs> that so would your be number one. advice would be come alone for one, you know, the first time and then bring everybody back the second time. Maybe. Not everybody, Dustin. Well, whatever. No, Dustin, you weren't listening. Okay. <laughs> I said a couple. Now listen yes, a couple. to me carefully. Right. Okay, a mother, a grandmother, a sister. Yes. Or if you don't have a sister or a mother, a very close friend. Leave it at that. Come the first time, pick several dresses that you really love, and then bring somebody in and get an opinion. And please don't bring your fiancé. He's not supposed to see it till the wedding. So that's the, 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 the key piece of advice. What I now understand, where every bride should understand, is go at it the first time alone. And you'll be in much better position. Not only will they be much better position, but I won't need Advil. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're if if the bride has you know just a few dresses that she likes, and then she brings the people back, then those people know that this is something that the bride likes. So maybe their opinions will be, you know, a little bit more uh, subtle or curtailed. Right. You're right. I mean, you're never going to stop opinions, but mm-hmm. you, you're you're going to minimize them. Yeah, and I think that that's just this is the, uh, uh, something that most. I mean, this is a pitfall. That's what we're talking about. Is most brides want to just have the ex, you know this whole everybody you know look at me kind of experience. And like I liked what you said when you said this is serious business. This is this you is know? an experience you want to remember. It's no different than when you do photography or you play music. The music has to be what the couple loves, not what the whole party loves. And the photography, you're shooting the pictures and you know how they're going to focus and and react as you develop mm-hmm. them. Yep. So you have to have the last word, not somebody else wanting to position a bride. Right. And I think that that, you know, for like you said, for DJs, you, you have the pitfall of, you know, uh, I don't know if it's a pitfall, but it's like, you know, the, the thing that happens where, you know, guests will come up and say, I want this song, but then it's on the bride's do not playlist or something like that. Or Well, that's easy. You know, well, I'm just saying every every yeah. section of the wedding has its own, well, you know, you caveat of that pitfall yeah, kind of thing. It's harder know? when it's not on the do not playlist, but I know it's the wrong song to play. Right, there you Correct. go. Well, you just break the disc. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Nobody's using discs anymore. Well, what are we using? See how much I know? 
Um, it's all it's all digital. So unfortunately, there's you can get any song now. But then skip the number because then you can't even say you don't have it because then they're going to go on their phone and they'll bring up their phone and say, "Here, play this." Got it. See. I can't See? even lie about not having a See song. See how much I know when I'm not a photographer or musician. There you go. See, there. You, that's why I'm I, talking. I to feel you guys. like that's one of the like the one thing here that is most important is is that the dress should be first in the order of. I mean, I have a lot of brides that come to us when they book us. They've already have their dress. I and those those are the brides that are you know have the right order of things, right? Correct. And then they need to make sure that they limit uh, the amount of people that they come with uh, when they're picking out their dress, and uh, and then they're in good shape. You got it, Dustin. So that's the pitfalls of the experience. And, you know, you're just going to make a lot more people even more happy and, and joyful when they see you walk down the aisle because there's less people that have seen you in that dress. And you know what? that. The chances that they're going to have a negative opinion of the dress at that point? Null and void. Yeah. Uh, The biggest mistake we make in society today is um, we're too open with everything we do. Uh, a, A bride's dress should really be a secret. I don't care what year it is. Okay, this is 2018. This is modern times. But modern times, there's also tradition. And tradition should stick in some areas. you have any more questions for me, Dustin? Yeah, so um, going back to the idea that, uh, you know, you're kind of uh, a bride is in kind of that quarterback role, kind of having to manage a lot of things. But as one of the first vendors that gets to interact with the bride, uh, you're really setting the tone for the rest of her planning experience. And I'm wondering if you've ever kind of, as you alluded to the fact that there have been some brides that leave in tears, et cetera, um, how do you bring it back? Like, how do you, you know, bring them back to focus where they, you know, the tone is reset almost and they're on a good path? You have to talk to them and you have to be kind and you have to, um, you have to be very calm and you have to instill in them that this is, an exciting time of their life. This is a moment that we hope is never repeated. And you want good memories. So what we need to do is we need to start backwards and we need to go to restart and create the experience that they're due to have. And that comes also uh, with a consultant that is uh, very well trained. And all my consultants are trained or they're educated or they're degreed from Kent State or Virginia Marty. Uh, You cannot, um, unless you're a creative person, you can't be a stylist. It it just doesn't work. There's no question about it. I have a lot of veterans that worked with me over 20, 25 years. Um, They know the ins and outs of the business just like I do. And then we bring the younger girls in. Because we want that millennial look. We, we want to see how they're going to relate to another girl their age. And that gives the girl a little bit of um, excitement to see somebody her age and they think, oh, good, she's going to think just like I do. So you have to mix it. You have to give them a very upbeat environment. Never confusion uh, and in you must answer every question that they ask within 30 seconds. 
If you don't, you're going to lose them. And that's where education and the amount of longevity of business I've been in. Like, take, for an instance, a girl came in. Um, I'll tell this story quick. A girl came in last week, and we sold her um, her dress, and it came in, and we sold her a veil. Well, lo and behold to us, when you held the veil one way, it looked like it was great with the dress, but when you held it another way, it was just slightly too diamond white. It needed to have an ivory cast. Well, the girl was devastated because when she put it on again, she didn't like the way it went, and I said, okay, you know, hysterical time, okay? I said, calm down. Let's think about this, okay? I had an answer in 30 seconds. I said, this is what we're going to try first, so don't panic. And you have to make sure you give resolution to the problem immediately. So I said, we're going to dip this veil in tea, and we're going to leave it in there, and I want to see what happens because tea does a lot of great things when you need something to light ivory. So I dipped the veil today and worked with it for about an hour, took it out. It was exactly the color that was needed. Called the girl, told her. She started crying. She says, I can't believe you fixed it already. That's the key word. I can't believe you fixed it already. Reduce stress. Mm Mm-hmm. No different than any field. And I I think um, men are very good at reducing stress quick because women are more dramatic. Now, should I be more dramatic? Probably. But I'm attuned to this. So these are the type of things. I said I really should put a doctor coat on because I look like I'm in the emergency room of a hospital because there's no room for a mistake, period. The girl will become hysterical if there's a bead missing from her dress. So you better have the needle and thread and fix the bead. And that's the story. Is there, you know, you, you, you've told a couple of stories now, and I'm, I'm beginning to think, is there something, like, let's say uh, there's a bride listening in Montana, you know, and they may not be able to, you know, get a dress in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. They're going to their 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 local, um, you know, bridal salon, etc. And is there things that they should be looking for in the quality of the service they're getting, or the people that are servicing them? That you know, you talk about how you kind of have uh, a staff with a certain level of education and a, and a certain level of experience, etc. Is are there pieces of advice you might be able to give to a bride that might be listening? Um, you know, this is what to look out for. Uh, absolutely. Um, first of all, is um, they we don't need any pressurized sale tactics. Oh, you need to buy today. Why aren't you buying today? You mean you don't like the dress? A girl does not need this. 90% of the time, we see our girls two to three times before they purchase. Some buy on the first um, account. Um, it, it's not common, and that's okay. If a girl is between two dresses and she starts... Uh, being very um, stressed about it, you know, wringing her hands and saying, I, 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 I'm not, I say, stop, you're done. It's over. You're on bridal gown freeze. You need to make another appointment. You need to come back. You need to put them both on, and you will have your answer. Today is not the answer. This is what they have to look for, not somebody trying to make a sale. Mm-hmm. What is the best for the client? 
If a client falls in love with a gown and is ready to order, God willing. If she's not, and she's on the fence, and says she has two, three pieces, and whatever it may be, and she seems to be burned out, let her go. She will come back. If she doesn't come back, then it really wasn't the dress, and maybe your competition down the street gets the sale. But the girl's happy. That's fine. Mm -hmm. There is enough for everybody. There is nobody that could dress every bride that gets married. It's not possible. We must remember that. Give the quality service and let them fly. I think you're going to be able to tell, you know, pretty early on when when you're going into a bridal salon and, and, you know, if you meet one of your designers or you go to another one and you meet someone else that clearly is just trying to make a sale, you should be able to tell probably within the 30 seconds of talking to them. At least that that would be my understanding. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes they work about 45 minutes to an hour and they get the girl down to two dresses, and then all of a sudden the pressure's applied. Okay, which one do you want? What do you mean you don't want it today? Why Mm. don't you want it today? Now, I'm not saying everybody does this, Mm -hmm. but but you know yourself, everybody needs to make a living. In this particular category of sales, which is wedding gowns, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. You will turn a bride off, or you will have remorseful buying, and the girl will want to come back and return the dress. Well, once a dress is ordered, you can't get it returned. So now what do you do? Now you have a dress you really don't want. You don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah. Are there any specific qualifications of, uh, of a bridal salon that people should be looking for as well? Well, first of all, it should be neat and clean. Everything should be in order. They should understand the procedures of trying dresses. And they also should be very astute by looking at your body type and your personality, exactly what you need to be put into. And we usually start with a couple questions. What's your budget? I don't want to show a girl a dress that's $2,000 if her budget's 1000 Why would you do that? Then the girl falls in love and she's heartbroken because she can't have the gown. Mm-hmm. That's not correct. Uh, the other thing is they should look at what the girl has on her phone or on paper. Today it's mainly the phone. What is your dream dresses? Let me take a look. Let me get into your head and see what you're thinking. Get those dresses that are similar to what's on her phone. Bring them in and then see your reaction to them. And if a reaction isn't overwhelming, then it's time for you to step in and say, okay, now humor me, try this. Humor me, try this. And this is how you proceed. And you get them into an area that they're comfortable with what they have on, and now they want more of the same. That's the procedure. Question about uh, just the the way that, that you have handled clients, does it, um, does it evolve over time? Like, is it different now than when you started? Um, you know, we hear so much about the millennial generation being a little soft. Do you have to, you know, do you find yourself using kid gloves more often now? No. No? No, I think when you have confidence in what you're saying, uh, people, um, listen, um, you're always going to get a tough person that really 
doesn't want to be there because they really don't like a, they don't like a dress. They're used to wearing pants, and it's way out of their comfort zone. Okay, that's all right. You still have to kind of mellow them. But basically, if you go in with confidence, you go in with the proper answers, uh, people will respect you and listen. There's really no no need to evolve if you're you know if you're handling everybody with that level of expertise, I guess. Correct. What do you say, Dustin? You're very quiet over there. Well, I'm I'm, I'm muddling over the thought uh, of asking this question. Oh God, he's muddling. Um, but have have you ever had uh, you know just a really dissatisfied customer? Sure, you do. But was it based on the dress or the experience? It could be based on both. It mainly it would be the experience, and mm-hmm. that would be a stylist that maybe was not having the best of day and wasn't right up to par, or personality clashed between a stylist and a bride. And in that case, you pull the stylist off the floor and give them another one and solve the problem. Or, like myself, the owner steps in and says, I'm sorry, it doesn't seem like you're meshing. Please let me take over and be of service. Mm. Let's see if we can make you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Do you mean, like that, Dustin? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I work with just my wife, so, I mean, we don't have that kind of, you know, it's just us. So, for us, you know, it's a different situation that I don't really get to see a whole lot how other people handle, you know, a question, a comment, a concern, you know, and how that kind of rises up to your level in, in the business. Well, I, I think, again, it's it's how you answer it, answering confidence and everything that we do from the start of uh, the event, the date, the music, and onward, every step of the way, we've got to connect it with enthusiasm and confidence. Mm-hmm. And that, that will make them a solid client. Yeah. I think that's the reason why, you know, over so many years you've developed the reputation of being the place to be at in Cleveland. Uh, Thankfully that did happen. Um, And I think it was the fact of me trying to nurture stylists that would have my same um, demeanor. Um, I won't accept them being curt with the customer or forcing something at them. They won't have a job. It's as simple as that. Because at the end of the day, no matter what business we're in, my name is on the building. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does in there. It reflects back to me. That can't happen. Right. Does it happen? Sure. We're normal, everyday people. You're never going to make everybody happy. You might say something that you maybe said the wrong way, including myself, and you, you irritated the client. Um, you have to step back, see what you said, readjust what you say, and correct it immediately. Yeah. With so many years of experience, do you uh, do you see any other types of vendors, you know, DJs or photographers or, you know, florists or anything like that? Uh, do you see any of the other types of vendors making uh, a mis- You know, is there any pitfall that you notice that, from your perspective, is like, because uh, of all the experience you have, is there somebody else in a different category than yours that's making, you know, uh, a pitfall over and over again? You mean that doing, you've noticed doing things wrong? Yeah, that can happen in any 
I, I think I get the most irritated when it's got to do with um, the colors of the bridesmaids um, and the colors of the mother and bringing it down into the floral and how to interpret it. And, you know, you have to look at the bridal gown. Okay, is it, um, oh, say it's, uh, they're getting married on the beach. Okay, so it's a very beachy type dress. What should the bouquet be? And please get the bouquet away from the front of the gown. It's not the vocal point. Get it to the side. And don't make it overly big so you can get $200 for it. Please make it the size of the bride. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to look at their bone structure, the color of their hair, their height, the style of the gown. This is all extremely important. The colors, as far as the bridesmaids are concerned, it, 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 it should phase in from the bridesmaids to the mothers. And we don't need um, huge bouquets to cover up the whole dress. We need an accent. All this plays a part, and then it's carried into the, the event room where the reception is, uh, to the cake, to the designs on the table, mm -hmm. uh, down to the menus. And how are we coordinating everything so when you walk in, you have a visual picture that everything connects? How do you come up with that? Yeah. It seems like you're most tied in in your vendor category to another vendor category the 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 florists and because the the flowers almost become a part of the dress in a sense where when you look at the bride and she's holding her flowers you know it's just a part of what she is wearing well i i you have to remember um if you go back into the history of who i was um, I was a floor, I taught floral designing for 25 years wow. to be able to um, uh, help my father grow the craft business. I did live and I did silk. Now, if you can do silk, live is simple because silk's a lot harder. I taught both. Um, when I opened the event business many years ago, um, I had a wonderful director of events, Brenda Kaczynski who, when I retired at the end of 2016, bought Socially Artistic. So we kind of meshed together, and she had the, the same insight I did, that the table decorations and the bouquets and, and whatever we did in the church all kind of meshed together to create what I call a puzzle or a picture. Yeah, that's something I never really thought about that, what you're saying about the florist. You know, they spend all this time picking out this beautiful dress, and they're so tied to it. And then, you know, so many times I'm looking at pictures and I see these giant bouquets. I'm like, wow, those are beautiful. And then you don't even realize that there's this gorgeous dress behind it that's not, yeah. it's never even registered with me before. It's a, it's a very fair point. Doesn't make any sense. Um, myself. That's not to disparage florists, obviously. No, no. <laughs> florists are wonderful people. You have to remember, too. A florist is in a quandary also because the girl comes in and wants this. She has no idea. You can tell her anything you want, and she still might want to do it. There's nothing wrong with a large bouquet. The, 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 the florists today do beautiful work. The difference is where you carry it. You carry it to the side, not in the front. Same with the bridesmaids. That's the difference. And you control it with your thumb and your forefinger so you're able to tip it. So as you go down the aisle, you are controlling the bouquet. And I feel like that goes back to a couple of points that you made before, too, about 
you know, maybe if a florist treated the client like like you're treating a client when they come in, that say they want a ball gown, and you tell them, um, you probably, you know, I'll bet you you're not going to want the ball gown. If you have an experienced florist and they, you know, they see your dress ahead of time and they're just not trying to sell you the biggest thing, you know, they're probably going to make a good suggestion and say, maybe you don't want something so big. What if we try this? It's really going to accentuate the dress. Um, I feel like it all kind of circles back around. Well, in the defense of the florist, a, a, a lot of times it doesn't matter what they say. Uh, the girl has a certain idea. They will suggest things. Then girls come in with colors. I said, would you stop getting all these colors in these bouquets? Please. Your gown is a beautiful ivory. Let it be subtle. Let it blend into the gown. Not jump out with orange or pink or navy or whatever you think you should do. You know, we have to go back to a little bit of tradition. We lose it today. And we lose it because people go, oh, I got this new idea. No, it's not a new idea. It's an old idea. You know, when I go to design wedding gowns, if I were to go back to 1856 forward, I could pull out all kinds of designs that are very hot today from the late 1800s into the 1900s. Why? Because where do you think it came from? Right. Most of your designs come out of Europe. One of the greatest designers in the industry was Christian Dior, and she used a lot of satin. Um, Right now, lace is very hot, but I brought back a whole line of satin wedding gowns. I thought, where's the satin for the girl that wants plain? I'm doing extremely well with it. They're finding it to be really, really gorgeous. So... We have to go back through the years. We have to investigate. And you also take a look at what they carried at that time of year and the size of the person. And if you go back into the late 1800s, everybody was a size 2. I mean, they were very small and they were very short. I did a commission for Western Reserve Historical Society many years ago, and we did back through the years. And it was Chisholm Halley's um, commission of the dresses starting in 1856 forward, and I was to do all the headpieces and bouquets that were coordinated uh, with those gowns. It was very interesting. You wondered where a colored wedding gown came from? The middle 1800s. Back then it was rust, dark green, dark pink. It It was very interesting how it came forward. Why is that? Why is that? Um, I don't know. I think it was tradition at that time. The first wedding gown uh, that was white was Queen Victoria. Up until I think then, I have read that before. Everything yeah. was yeah. colored. So why was it? <laughs> you know, I, I tell my wife. <laughs> yes? Whenever we're recording, text me. Let me know if you're going to go pick up our son or I have to do it after we're done. But I'm recording. So text me. Well, she didn't text you. No, she never does. That's never this does. is like the fourth time that. This... Well, is there anything we could do to give him some advice, Dustin? That after the wedding, these are things you need to know. Uh, that's a yeah. Um, I mean, don't you think we should well, have a carry-on segment? I think it's a. There's a fundamental. There's a fundamental point of marriage that's um, 
for for most people, I won't listen to everything you say, and you won't listen to everything I say. No, I won't listen to one thing that you say. I'm not sure if I will either. I have to really take this into account. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to follow up with a question real quick. Oh, God. Um, Actually, no, wait. Hold on one second. I wanted to pull in one thought, and that was um, you were kind of talking about how uh, colors of the flowers and how, you know, people are kind of getting outlandish with, you know, the color selections, etc. What is it that is most appropriate for a white or an ivory dress? Like, what kind of colors do you want? What are subtle enough to allow the dress to shine? Uh, Pale blush. Uh Uh, Blush is always beautiful. Um, To me, it should be blush, shades of ivory, and white. And that gives it depth. You mix all the colors together, you have depth. It doesn't blend in too much, or it... That's fine. It's not the vocal point, it's the accent. Gotcha. It's like putting a cake top on a cake. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Right. Make it happen. I have a random question after this. I I have so many questions now. I hate random questions. It's it's all right. I might be putting you on the spot. I don't know. Okay, let's just see. Okay. um, So do you have a favorite uh, dress, uh, you know, a a bridal salon across the country, Um, another, you know, uh, a a contemporary of yours? you know, anywhere else in the country. Is there a favorite that you have? Yes, I have a good friend in Asheville, South Carolina. Oh, beautiful city. And she has a beautiful bridal salon, um, and she does wonderful. She's a wonderful person, down to earth, um, and she works with the brides. And what I like about her salon, it's to the point. Uh Everything's neat and clean. She's organized. She knows where she's at. Um, and she makes sure that the clients get excellent care. Mm. And then I, I might, this second question might be putting you on the spot, too. Oh, I don't God. even know if you're allowed to say this. No. It's all right. What? Um, do you have uh, a favorite designer, a, con- a, conte- a contemporary of yours, uh, a, a favorite designer, uh, you know, nationally, internationally? Oh, what sure. Have you? Sure, and that would be James Clifford, who was the original Jim Hell. He was he's fifty five years in the design business. Mm-hmm. He's a personal friend of mine. He was the original Jim Helm that was the biggest couture house in New York City. Wow. Mm-hmm. And how did you two meet? Uh well, you want to hear the story when I went to New York? Heck you yeah. have a minute? Yeah, we got a minute. You had a minute? We got time. You're sure? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm, I'm, or do you have another I'm question? I'm excited to hear a, like this kind of story. Okay. In, in the early 80s, um, you know, being in the arts and crafts business, I knew everybody. Now I'm going to New York City with my suitcase, and I'm going to open up a bridal salon. And I thought, oh, this won't, this will be a no-brainer. I go into the city, and at that time, most everything came out of New York, and it was couture gowns, which were higher-end at, by designers that were constructed partially or all in New York City. There was very there was nothing from China at that time. She took my briefcase, went to Galena, walked in. Now Galena was a big name company at that time, very pristine, um, very much like some of the designs I'm doing now, very clean, very modern. And I walked in, and Jim Fisk-Simmons talked. I walked in, and Jim 
said, and how may I help you? And I said, well, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I'm going to build the largest bridal salon in the United States, and I want to see your line of merchandise. Well, I don't know who you are. I said, look, it's very simple. This is the story. If you don't let me in now, and you don't let me buy, when I become the largest bridal salon in the United States, I'm never coming back. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> Behind me, this is, this is a true story, was Hedda Kleinfeld, who originally started Kleinfeld's. And there was an editor to Brides Magazine. Her name was Naomi Cherub. And I think they were angels from heaven because they stepped up and they liked my feistiness. And they said to Jim, let the girl in. What is she going to do? I said, sir, I can pay my bills. I don't walk in a place unless I can pay my bills. Do you want my credentials? So I gave him my credentials, and he goes, well, you're in the arts and craft business. What I said, my father was the pioneer in the arts and craft business. He goes, I'm in the wedding business, young lady. I said, stop calling me a young lady. I'm not a young lady, and I want to go in and see your line. Now, am I going to get in or not? He let me in. And that was history. And the rest let me in from there on in. Bianchi, Demetrius, Lazaro, all of them. That's a true story. I'm so glad you asked that question. Can I ask one more? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Now what? It's just like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, just such a fan. Uh, so, uh, my, my last question, and I'll, I'll cut it off from uh-huh. there. This has nothing to do with our topic, by the way. These, That's fine. These we're, questions we're have well nothing to do with it. Yeah, we're right. so well off the topic today. I told you this happens. Um, well, that's what, okay. We're educating people to tell us next time what else they want to hear. That's right. Um, was there a time where you took uh, a, a trip tied to your profession, um, you know, whether it be nationally or internationally, um, that you just had a really wow experience? When I did the in sync wedding for Chris Kirkpatrick, mm. which um, Brenda, my events director, landed, we did all the garments. And we did all the floral, and we executed everything. And to tell you, that was pretty funny, because it was held at uh, Universal Studios at the hotel there. And I had a six-foot-five bodyguard that followed me around, because, you know, it's an experience when there's stars all around. And it was, an edu- it was a wow education in how the stars live, and you feel bad for them. Because they can't be themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay? You have to have security all over. Well, anyway, um, they wanted to get married outside in the garden. And it stormed that day. And it was unlike any other storm in Florida. It didn't stop. So we did 5,000 flowers with my foot in a bucket of ice because I had broke it. And it was just healing. And it was throbbing. And in two days, we designed all the live floral that was there for the wedding, including outside. So the manager of the hotel said, well, we better conduct the ceremony inside. I said, we're not conducting the ceremony inside. The girl wants the ceremony outside. And outside, it's where it's going to be. So I'm going to put this towel on my head, and I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to drape all the floral in the pouring rain, and hopefully by 4 o'clock the sun will come out. 
And she goes, what are you going to do if it doesn't? I said, then we're going to go right here, and she'll walk down this aisle with the arch and get married inside. Just leave me alone. (laughs) She got married outside. End of story. There you go. There I go. Persistence pays off. But it was a beautiful experience to see how the the popular um, side of the world lives and how... It can be very exasperating. Yeah, for them, very, very like exasperating because they 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 can't move an inch, mm-hmm. and it's sad. But they uh, in that kind of scenario, they're like once the reception hits, they're able to let loose and have fun, right? I'm sure that was an awesome wedding. They can let loose and have fun. It's the prior part to get all the guests in, right. take all their phones away, make sure nobody slipped through, make sure nobody would. We had helicopters on the roof. Um, it, it goes on and on. But it was an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for the question. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm full of them. <clears throat> but I'm going to um, acquiesce the floor to Eric. So oh, that's not why I was coughing. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> I, have, I have an off-topic question. Um, but it's about dresses, and we've brought this up before, and I think we might have even said, you know, we need to get a dress designer on here to, to ask this question, and it's about bustling. Shoot. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, my the God. questions we have. Two guys are asking the me about bustling, Dustin, and how did oh, you I'm answer it, Dustin? Well, I mean, we're, we're there well, when the bustling is happening, yeah. and it, it's never a quick process. How do we streamline bustling? What is this? Why is it that, that, that the salons cannot... Get maybe it's the bride not paying attention. I don't know what it is, but well, Melissa probably, helps like every week because like nobody can figure it out. We use ribbons. Ribbons work better than buttons. I prefer not to use buttons. We do use buttons when a girl requests it. Mm-hmm. But if you use satin ribbon, one one two two three three, just like Elmo does with the number system mm-hmm. on Sesame Street. That dress can go up in five minutes. That sounds a lot easier. I feel like everybody that I've seen is button, button, button. No, button. It's, the, the number system works really well because the dress just goes right up. Is that something that a, a bride should be at? Is that a piece of advice? They should I would be say yes. She should ask for the ribbons. Okay. Unless it's um, even a three-button bustle. It's the same thing. It can go up like that. Do do the brides do dry runs at the salon? Yes. Okay. In ours, they do. They usually are taught to bring the person. The person that's going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It should not be that difficult. Yeah. It it seems like it is. And sometimes you don't need as many buttons as you think. Yeah. You know, that can overpower the back of a dress also. If the dress is plain in the back, a lot of times I do a French bustle, which it goes under. And you might need one button to hold the under piece up, and the rest goes up with ribbons. That's my favorite. But, but the ribbons is the best. The ribbons is the best because all you do is follow a number system. How mm-hmm. can you screw it up? Yeah. Yeah. They do. They manage. Um, That's going to be one of my hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, Dustin, you wanted to do final thoughts as a new segment here. Do we want to do that right now as we tie up the the uh, topic, even though we're not on the topic, or do you want to wait until the end of the... Yeah, I don't know what... um, Yeah, we we can wait till the end. All right, let's do that. Um, So the next segment, we're done with the topic for now. Um, We do this thing called One Star Review. 
Um, so what I do is I go on Yelp and I find a one-star review of a vendor that has to do with our guest today. Um, somewhere else in the country, uh, I don't give the name of the, the vendor, um, but we just read the one-star review and we kind of pick it apart and see what this vendor could have done to, to maybe avoid these issues. Um, I printed this out while you were here, so I haven't even read it yet. Um, so this is for a, a bridal salon that's in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. <laughs> I don't even think that's the city I typed in. I, I typed in Tampa. No, there. No, I'm sorry. The bride is in Mobile. The the uh, the salon. We're already the salon is one in star Tampa. aspects to this review. Yes, <laughs> I get a one star for this one star review. You do. Sorry. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this. Um, I'm going to have to fill in the name here somewhere. Give me a, a woman's name. Give you a woman's yeah, name? Yeah, it could be a random name. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Redmond. Well. <laughs> <laughs> now what do you That want? sounds like a real name. Do you know an Elizabeth Redmond? I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I'll be in even more trouble. I just want to use the name because they usually name these people by their name, so I, don't, I just want to keep well, it all All anonymous. right, Elizabeth. That's it. Um, so here's the one-star review. This is the worst boutique ever. I had the worst bridal experience. Uh, Elizabeth, the owner, ordered the wrong size dress for me. She even saw me in the dress and said that it was perfect. When I got the dress, their seamstress said that there must have been a huge mistake and the dress should have never been ordered in this size for someone like me. I was so humiliated it became super body conscious for no reason except for the fact that they had ordered the wrong size. I was told that this was my fault because I was so happy when I first tried it on. Well, duh, I love the dress. I spent so much time in front of the seamstress's mirror crying because of how terrible I felt because it just couldn't fit. I felt like this was all my fault, but it wasn't. But the thing is, I don't know a thing about fittings or seamstressing. That is your job. Then they named the, the bridal salon. Uh, your customers should not have to be experts in in order to get the right dress. Both me and the seamstress confronted Elizabeth, the owner, about the problem. Elizabeth came up with a solution to tear apart the dress in order for it to fit me. Elizabeth even said that there was a seam that they could let out. There was no seam. There was nothing to let out, not even an inch. If you were good at your job, you would have seen that aspect right off the bat. At least know your dresses. Now I'm stuck with a $3,000 dress that I will never wear. She shouldn't even return it for a bigger size. She blamed the dress designer for it being a funky fit. Who does that? Don't trash your products. I contacted um, the dress designer, and they were appalled at this behavior. They sent me a courtesy gift to make up for what a horrific experience I had. And worst of all, it was only the only thing that my father bought for me for my wedding, and now I cannot even touch it. It's just a sad reminder that I'll probably never be a supermodel. Body shaming is a real thing, and it hurts. Please take your bride and run. That's it. I just want to mention um, one thing uh, that I was going to mention earlier in um, our show here, uh-huh. and and that is uh, I think that the biggest difference, my, my best friend got married a few years ago, and uh, she used uh, a, 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 a bridal salon on the, on the far west side. And um, I said, she says, oh, my gosh, it was so amazing. And I said, what was so great about it? She goes, the experience was so great. 
And I think that that word experience is something that you mentioned right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And I think that experience is what sets the tone for the rest of the wedding planning. I'm sure that after this experience, you know, the rest of her, you know, kind of bridal, you know, experience. Everything had this dark cloud over it. Because of the experience. It went down the drain. Yeah. So, right. So everything goes down. She used it like three times in the, in the review Mm -hmm. too, which means it's that much more important to her to have. And I think every bride to have a great experience, especially in this capacity of finding the right dress. Well, there's no girl that should spend $3,000 for a dress and not have it fit right, number one. Shouldn't pay $200 for a dress and not have it fit right. First of all... How does this happen? um, I can't answer what they did. My assumption would be they didn't measure her. First of all, when you measure a girl for a wedding, you measure every client for a wedding gown. You never go by the piece they put on in the salon. It is a piece that's been tried on. It could be slightly stretched. And the girl goes, oh, this zips up, so this is my size. No, it's not your size. I need to measure you. The next step is, what is the design of the dress? If it's a ball gown, you need bust and waist hips. You don't uh, uh, bust and waist. You don't need a hip measurement because of where the dress falls. Now, if it's a fit and flare that comes down straight, you need bust weights and hips, and you need low hips. The dress size has to fit the largest part of the body and then taken in from there. That is the only way you can size a girl properly. No dress is going to fit perfectly because they're not designed per measurement. They're designed per size chart. So if you're, say, for instance, a 45 on the top, a 30 waist, and a 52 hip, and you're in a fit and flare, the 52 hip has to mandate what size gown you're going to wear. Now, in some cases, and I'm not saying this client, they might have fit the fullest part of her size of, of her body and missed it. But from what I can see, they didn't do that because they were trying to let the dress out. Well, that's a problem because a lot of seams are clipped. In my new designs, I leave two inches unclipped on either side. So I can open up the seams four inches. Do I want to do that? No. Okay. It's always the fullest part of the body. They need good undergarments on, so what they have on is what they're going to wear with the dress to get the perfect sizing. So therefore, the girl was in the right, they were in the wrong, they missed size, they should have eaten the dress and ordered another one. That's called good business. I, how do you not order a new one in this case? I don't understand why. Well, probably the the lead time is so, it, you know. You... Well, it depends where the lead time is, but you also have to understand the woman can't return that dress. She has to eat it, but that's part of business. Huh. Eat the dress. That's your problem. Somebody mismeasured the girl. 
Yeah, it sounds like I, she used the word experts in there, or, or or maybe it was something alluding to the idea of, you know, you're supposed to be the experts. And it doesn't sound like there was any expert opinion no, that know, given there. It, you know what I mean? To give you an example, Dustin, when a girl puts a dress on, they're not always going to fit perfectly because they could be in between sizes that they're trying on. The first pet peeve I have with all my stylists, they try to zip the dress up for the bride. Please don't do that because now you've put the waist in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And they really don't visualize. I pull the zipper down and I hold the dress in the back and I go, now this is how you're going to look. How many times do I have to tell you girls, you can't make the client happy Mm -hmm. by putting the zipper up. Because you are not showing the realistic placement of the gown. Do you also instruct? I noticed that in the re, um, in the review, it's it it basically said that the people uh, that she was dealing with gave a, a lot of their own opinions of how it looked. <laughs> I mean, I feel like to a certain extent that that's not the place of the stylist to no. say, "Oh, this looks fantastic," or th- it's about how that. You know, client feels in that dress. and Correct. You know what I mean? And that's at least what I got from your conversation It has today. nothing to do with the size of the gown. The size of the gown, if you're ready to order, now we talk measurements. We don't look at the dress you just had on. We look at the size chart. Period. Right. Done. Yeah, it seems like there was a lot of missteps there. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had a response to it, but we don't, unfortunately, this week. Sometimes they, the, the uh, reviews get responses from the business owner, so uh, another follow-up critique sometimes follows, but not in this instance. We're sorry. <laughs> should, that should be the response. You know what? You would think that would be the response, but in most cases, it's not. It's, they usually yeah, place the really blame. it really is not. You know what? In life, you can place the blame on a lot of people, but you're only in control for your own mm-hmm. actions. And making excuses isn't going to solve things. I said to this girl, I thought the veil matched your dress, but I guess I was looking at it and in two different directions. You're absolutely right. The color's off. I made a mistake. Period. Mm-hmm. I'll dip it in tea. Now you have your answer. It's the little tips, of, uh, tricks of the trade. Oh, but, there's uh, a lot of tri- tri- tips of the trade. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately what you said rings true, which is your name's on the building. And that's, uh, you know, the most uh, important uh, part of, you know, if somebody is dissatisfied with something, you know, your reputation, your name is the one that would be affected. And it's it's important to, you know, put the first step forward and say, look, this is wrong. We're going to we're going to fix this. I also think that um, when somebody is an entrepreneur and they're running an entrepreneurial business, it's very important if there's a mistake that the owner steps in. Do not leave it up to your consultants. I want to be in the forefront and say, what happened here? What is this all about? Let me see what I can do to make it right. And again, I repeat, Dustin, you got 30 seconds. That's all you got. You better hurry up and figure it out. Yeah. Does that bring us to final thoughts? Um, kind of. Next week's topic, we don't we don't have a specific topic next week. Yes. Um, but we're we're going to be having uh, some people from Lanique on. Oh, they're excellent. Yes, we're going to love have, uh, my buddies from Lanique. We're going to have Alicia and Vince on the show. Vince is a riot. 
A riot. I love working with Vince. Vince is a riot. One of my favorite wedding vendors in Cleveland, for sure. He's an excellent wedding vendor. Yeah. Excellent. That's what we're trying for here. All the good ones. (laughs) Okay. Um, So then we're going to come up with a hashtag for the show. Yeah, I got got a few hashtags today. Um, And uh, I'll tell you... um, well, so do we, you have any, we do any hashtags first. I have a hashtag. Well, we'll I'm I'll just going to explain today. to Patrice what we're doing. Oh, okay. So at the end of the show, we come up with a hashtag. So people listen to the show, they can use that hashtag on you know Twitter or Instagram um, to let us know that they were listening or let us know their thoughts. Um, so usually it's something we pull out of the conversation. Um, I have a hashtag. Do you want to go first or? Yeah. Well, I got a few. Oh, okay. I only have one. That's all right. Um, I have hashtag tiger by the tail. Oh, that's a good one. That's what I was. I was just writing that one down. When uh, when it. Patrice said that, my mouth just went. Ooh, that's yeah. a hashtag. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I I would like to hashtag uh, something a bit rudimentary, but uh, hashtag ribbon bustle. There you go. Uh, and that also, makes me happy. And also um, hashtag jewel of the wedding. I really liked that term. Mm-hmm. That's a, a really kind of a, a nice way of looking at things. Patrice, do you have any hashtags? No. No. <laughs> no. Right. We got you covered. <clears throat> Maybe no. So use any of those hashtags. Um, there is one more, uh, Catan EXP. I know you guys use that a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So use that also, and then uh, you can show some love their way. Um, That'd be great. We're on to plugs. Um, you can find me at, at the Bearded DJ on everything. Um, I wanted to get in another plug um, that I haven't done before. It's for my wife. She's been working really hard. Do you know what microblading is, Patrice? Yes. So it's uh, tattooing eyebrows. Um, she went to school. She's she's starting her own salon. She loves it, and she's really, really good at it. So I just wanted to give um, her little salon a shout-out. She's going to be up and running here in the next month. Um, and that is Lay Browsmith. So it's at e- L-E Browsmith. That's all. Dustin, how about you? Hashtag love. What? What? Shouting out your wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hashtag don't call me while I'm recording. <laughs> that, that's a good one, too, yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me at uh, onereddoorphotography.com or facebook.com slash onereddoor. Uh, Instagram. Great photo site. Uh, uh, Dustin underscore ORDP. I'd also like to uh, give a shout out to the wife who keeps up with Instagram a whole lot better than I do. Mel, M E L underscore ORDP, as in One Red Door Photography. And did you do your Facebook for the live? Uh, Facebook.com. Yeah, did you Facebook. do that this past weekend or we, no? We did not. We're taking the what winter is time going off. on? Yeah, I haven't done a live. We usually do a Facebook live every week before as we're driving to the wedding. And um, it's been uh, since the end of last season that we've really... But with these wintertime weddings, it's a little more challenging because it's a shorter day, and we usually take separate yeah. cars. So, um, And, Patrice, I have um, CatanFashions.com. Correct. CatanFashions.com. We're also on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And we're on Facebook. Yep. And that's all Catan Fashions. It's all Catan Fashions. Please come. And uh, we, I answer all my own questions. You can get me uh, personally at uh, P. Alberti at CatanFashions.com. Awesome. And if you have any questions for us on the podcast, um, you can hit us up at The Bearded Bride on social, thebeardedbride at gmail.com. 
Um, we got that website is up and running. Not as we record, but it is up as we have posted this. So final thoughts. This is new. We're just going to you know, ra- wrap things up with one final thought that we got from, you know, a takeaway from this episode. I'll start it off. Go for it. Yeah. So I think that one of the things that I'm going to start doing is asking our guests one piece of, you know, business advice that they've gotten that has really stuck with them. And I'm going to go back to your hashtag. I'm going to go back to your, uh, the saying that your, your dad came up with, which is, you know, grab the tiger by the tail and, and see what happens. I think that that's really just an amazing piece of uh, business advice. Um, and I think that will stick with me for a really long time. Something I learned new today uh, that is really solid. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been yeah. a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, for me, I think it applies to vendors, and it's, uh, it's what you said about answering the question um, in 30 seconds, but not just answering the question, but having either the right answer or a path to find the right answer. Correct. That's uh, it. And, and answering it confidently. Absolutely. Even if it's not the right answer. <laughs> that could happen, yeah. too. Yeah. That could happen. But, you know, it's been a pleasure with you two today. This is very educational for me also, being able to talk the talk. I enjoy getting the word out. Have you ever spoken this long with two guys about dresses? No. (laughs) No, but no. No, I have to think a minute. No. No, but it's been a ton of fun. Um, You have the right idea. The girls need to be educated. And I'm looking forward to move forward with a lot more education for the for the bride. Very cool. Thank you very much for being here. Yep. And Dustin, what do you think? This is the best best podcast ever. This is the best best pod best podcast ever. All right. See you I, guys. I got an A, guys. You got it. Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for being here.